Welcome to another episode of Vivid Arts, the podcast. Vivid Arts is the ultimate digital tour guide of the Florida art scene where we connect art lovers to the artists and our communities growing all around us every day. I'm your producer, Kevin Yontanen. Today, we got a very cool guest, very special guest, really great artist, Render Writer. Render Writer is a very prolific, very powerful artist with a great message, with big plays, with big names, always got big projects, always growing. He makes a lot of art down here in uh, South Florida, Miami-Dade County, Palm Beach County, and he's growing and moving across the country, making art all over the place, spreading his great message, great philosophy. You may know him for the World Peace Mural Tour, which is growing every day, beautiful stuff. You can find Render Writer on Instagram and Facebook at Render Writer. You can find uh, his World Peace Mural Tour on Instagram and Facebook at World Peace Mural Tour and on GoFundMe, but we're gonna drop all those handles in the episode, stay tuned. Make sure you follow Vivid Arts, the podcast, on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher, and keep in touch with everything Vivid Arts, everything art-related, at our website, www.vividartsapp.com. And without further ado, let's get right into the episode. It's going to be a good one. All right, here we are with Render Writer today on the Vivid Arts, the podcast at the Palm Beach Tiger Space. So what's up, Rendo? What you been up to? You pulled an all-nighter, still here in, in, in painted clothes and everything? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is up? The answer to that is everything. The answer is always everything. But yeah, a lot is up. I, I pulled an all-nighter, like you said. I was working on some art. So I stayed up all night, and I got a full day ahead of me uh, in every county. <laughs> I woke up in Fort Lauderdale, came to West Palm, and now I'm heading to Miami. What was the most recent piece that you did? Well, what I was working on last night was a commission where I am writing the word love all over a men's white dress shirt. And uh, I'm doing it for a friend of mine and he's attending an event that's a wearable art themed event. So he needed the shirt for the event and the event is hosted by Beyonce. Hmm. So it's out in California, it's on Friday, so I need to get it to him by tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, it was a pretty cool, Pretty cool project, you know. Cool experiences have your work being like seen out there by big names like Beyonce. How does how does that feel? Feels good. Feels real good. But I don't know. I mean, all this stuff. I, I guess I just take everything in stride. You know, I take everything like humbly. You know, and I just take it as it comes. You know, like I I've experienced a lot of successes in my career, but I I take them almost the same way I take the failures. Really, like it's all just part of the process. You know, the good stuff, the bad stuff. It all comes your way take it, appreciate it, move on, you know. I, a lot of times I try to have almost like this Zen Buddhist type approach of like never getting too excited in either direction, you know, positive or negative, just everything is, you know. I mean, it's cool to be proud of your accomplishments and to be happy, you know, uh, which I am. But um, I just take it as it comes, you know. Like, there's a side of me that also feels like, well, uh, the good things that are coming my way I deserve them, you know. This is this is why I'm working so hard, you know, like right. in a humble way, not like yeah, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Not like an arrogant thing, but it's like you put that work in. You definitely yeah, deserve to get the fruit of your labors. Exactly. So you know, if it's something like Beyonce seeing my art or whatever, although that sounds like really cool, and it is, it's also like, 
well, yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. You know, like when you work hard, you're supposed mm-hmm. to have some cool results, right? So that means you're working hard, or more importantly, you're working smart, you know? And that's what I really try and do is like work smart, work strategically, you know, efficiently, effectively, not just hard, because I've done that before too, and a lot of people do that. They just like work really hard and tire themselves out, and they're always busy, but they're like busy doing nothing, you know? You, you mentioned some of your successes and like how you've gone here, some successes, some of your failure. For some of the people who are unfamiliar with your work, let them know like what more or less you do and what are some of your accomplishments lately of date? Okay, yeah, yeah. I guess I should sort of like back up and almost like introduce myself a little and then I'll kind of segue into the answer to that. But I mean, my name is Renda Ryder. I'm a poet. I'm an artist. I'm an actor. Um, I do a variety of things. Uh, that's like a full circle answer of what I am. But really, I'm just an artist. That's a more encompassing um, answer of, of what I am and what I do. But I started writing poetry in 2000. Uh, so I was writing and recording and performing poetry from 2000 all the way up to the present moment. Uh, but doing poetry is what got me into an appreciation for the word. Um, and then around 2010, I got into the visual appreciation of the word um, and, you know, became an artist. Uh, but 2000, so between 2010 and 2014, I was, doing, I was experimenting and dabbling with being a visual artist while still doing poetry, while hosting events, while running a magazine about art. So I've always been involved in art in some way, shape, or form. But then it was like 2014 that I did my first mural. And after I did the mural, then I really started to focus on being a visual artist and letting some of the other uh, titles fall to the wayside a little bit, you know, in terms of where I put my energy. So I still do poetry. I still host events here and there. I still promote. I still do a lot of those things. I still act also. But my focus is art, and now my real focus is murals, and my focus focus is world peace murals. But, you know, in terms of, like, the successes, you know, the things, the ups that I've experienced uh, as a visual artist, um, I... A lot, a lot in the last few years. Like I, I won a contest that I entered, um, sponsored by the city of Miami, uh, the Miami Transportation Authority, uh, the MTA, and I got my art on the back of a bus. Um, basically, they picked. There was like three winners, and then like um, ten, like runner-up winners. So the three winners had an entire bus wrapped with their art, and then the ten runner-up winners had the back of the bus wrapped with their art. And so my art that I submitted was basically just the word positive energy, or the two words positive energy written over and over and over in black and blue alternating. So as one of the winners, they put that on a bus, and that bus is driving around Miami right now. It's like an active bus in the That's system. That's awesome, being cool. seen by so many people. Yeah. Like the Merry Pranksters. Like, you know, Ken Kesey and the Merry Pranksters? Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And so that's cool. Like. Every few days, someone sends me a picture or tags me on Instagram because they saw my bus and they knew it was me and they took a picture and they tagged me, you know? So that's really cool, you know? And that and that's cool because it's like, it was a contest, I entered it and I won. So it was like, I earned it. It wasn't something like I knew somebody, I had it in or whatever. It was just the quality of my art got me, you know, in that position. And then uh, I guess I have a similar story like that. I entered another contest that was sponsored by this media company in Miami called Be Free Media uh, in conjunction with the MPA, the Miami Parking Authority. And the 
premise of this contest was they were inviting artists to submit ideas to have their art wrapped on a parking meter. You know, like the parking meters on the street where you pay for your parking. And I won that. You know, this that, that was, I guess, in 2016 or maybe 15. But um, so I won that. And basically they uh, wrapped a parking meter white, made it plain white so that I could do my art on it. And I hand wrote, I love 305, like 3,000 times all over this meter. I wrote for like nine hours straight and just covered the whole thing in I love 305. So that was cool too. I don't know, but those are two that kind of my mind, you know, right off the top of the head, two like successes, especially since they were like contests. I entered, I won, and it was just based on the merit of my art. Right. Know? All your art has like a lot of like message behind it. That's like mostly like what it's about. Like, tell us about like what's like the message. Why do you why do you do art more or less? Well, um, the, I guess the reason I do art is a little bit different than the reason why I started doing art. So first, I'll tell you why I started doing art. And the reason I started doing art, I always answer that question with this like little catchphrase. But I started making art when everything else stopped making sense. That's what I always say. Uh, because there was a period in my life when I felt like everything stopped making sense. Like I didn't understand all the relationships around me. You know, I had just gotten out of a relationship, relationship like with a girl. We just broke up. But then I saw how like my friends were hanging out with her and hanging out with her friends. And then I just started to not know who to trust. And I didn't know what the hell was going on. You know what I'm saying? I was just in a weird, um, a weird position. And and best way to sum it up is I just felt like everything stopped making sense. Um, I couldn't make sense of the world anymore around me. And the thing that helped me to make sense of it was was art. So I started making art when everything else stopped making sense. But, and then what happened is after doing art and doing more art and more time elapsing, uh, things began to make sense again. And they made sense through the art. So now that's how I understand the world as, as an artist, you know? So, um, but now why do I do art? Now that I've got a firm sense of who I am and my place in the world and the people around me, now I do art, um, I guess, because I don't know how not to, you know? Uh, I guess I'm kind of at that point. And I, I've watched interviews before with other artists or celebrities or whatever that when asked why they do what they do a lot of times they answer it in the same way they're like because I can't not you know and, and that's exactly how I feel I, I can't not make art it's second nature at this point yeah it's second nature and it's just it's my thing and you know also in a real basic way it's like every human being got to spend their time doing something right you know I mean you got 24 hours in a day well everybody sleeps and everybody eats so those are some things you got to do but beyond that what you do with your time is just totally up to you and I guess you got to work I mean technically you don't have to work you know but it, to function in a normal society you got to work but so then you got to choose the job that's right for you you know what I mean so you're choosing that aspect of your time so I choose art as my everything you know my art is my hobby my job my career my therapy my my everything and and it is so much of all those things that now I don't know how to not do it you know that's crazy it's like helped you like make sense of life more or less yeah pretty much it's you know uh, and I guess that's pretty well known that art is very therapeutic and cathartic how, you know? how so how, like, how did they like, put all things like together just like the messages that came out of it is they just like inspired you or something they just like made sense of like the world or yeah, so the, the messages themselves, you know, what I'm saying, the words I'm saying and the meanings behind them is one thing. 
Um, but then there's also the, the process, you know, like for me, the, the process of doing it. A lot of my art, as you know, and I guess as the people will know as I explain, a lot of my art is repetitious usage of a word or a phrase. And when you do something repetitious, you enter into a zone, you know what I mean? And, and if you do anything repetitious, it's not even art. Like if you mow the lawn, you know what I mean? Like there's there's a therapy in that, you know? Like you, you're, you're doing the zone rows, out. yeah, you know? And you just get in the zone. You, you do a row and you could follow it. And then, all right, so this part is what I cut and this is what I haven't cut yet and I'm gonna just follow this, you know, and keep going. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, chopping an onion, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you're doing, when, there, when there's a routine aspect to doing something, it allows you to like, get into a zone um, and so with my art since a lot of my art is extremely repetitious I just get in the zone and I just uh, think about stuff you know and or sometimes don't think about stuff but either way it's like my little time to myself my little time to just be quiet be in my zone figure some stuff out in my head but and it's not always like that. Sometimes I make art, I do live art at events. So obviously I'm not quiet and in my zone. I got people coming up to me and talking to me and stuff, but that's okay, I can integrate that, you know? It's a little different, but I, I can make art and have conversation, you know? Other times I like to listen to music while I make art. And really one of my favorite things to do is to listen to like programming material. Like I listen to, are you familiar with binaural beats? Can't say I am. You are? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, binaural beats are basically different frequencies, like bi meaning two. So basically what it is, is if you listen to binaural beats on headphones, you're listening to a certain frequency in this ear and a certain frequency in this ear, and it creates a third frequency in your mind. And if you study, like, the science of um, audiology and, and different frequencies, you know that everything in the world has a vibration all energy is vibration and and vibrations are measured in hertz a measurement of frequency so like the frequency of love is 432 hertz you know so that's wait three, six, is that a fact yeah yeah or actually maybe it's 528 so maybe that's not a fact but there the fact is there is a number that is the frequency of love what, maybe what i'm is, wrong what does that mean exactly like uh, well, I, maybe I'm not the best person to explain all that. You know, you could probably look that up on your own. But basically, w what it means is the way I understand it and the way I can explain it is, is kind of like I said, like everything has uh, a frequency. Everything vibrates. Mm -hmm. You know, matter vibrates. This table is that all the molecules in this table are vibrating and they're vibrating quick enough that it is solid but if you were to slow it down we're talking on like a quantum level if you were to slow down the vibration of the molecules in this table you would slow it down to the point that you could just put your hand through it because it's no longer solid you know so everything has a frequency everything vibrates and when you understand that and then you get into the world of, vi of binaural beats you learn how these frequencies can be used to manipulate your brain you know and I, I discovered all this in like 2013 I guess and I came across this website called I was on YouTube uh, just surfing and entering into like a weird YouTube vortex and I found these binaural beats and stuff and then I sent, I found this one particular clip and it said it came from braineditor.com and I was just like what is braineditor.com? Like, just think about that. You know what I mean? Like, the like, like, good domain name. It's like, I want to edit my brain. You know what I'm saying? Like, so 
then I just got real curious about all that. But so sometimes when I make art, that's what I do. And there's binaural beats and there's frequencies for everything. Like, like you got an upset stomach, go to YouTube and type in binaural beats for upset stomach. And you'll be healing yourself on an audio level. You know what I mean? And then there's isochronic tones. And so there's all this stuff that you can listen to, binaural beats integrated with isochronic tones, integrated with sounds of nature. So you're listening to like a rainforest and you're listening to birds chirping and rain falling. But underneath all that is like this very uh, subtle ongoing frequency and then these pulsating tones. And so it's for everything. So then, you know, there's one that's like an energy boost or to boost your confidence or to cell repair, you know, like all this crazy stuff. So a lot of times when I make art, I like to listen to that. You know, there's ones for, for concentration and focus. So I'll throw on binaural beats for concentration and focus, whip out a big canvas and just get in the zone, you know, drink a cup of coffee and do my thing. Damn, that is some interesting yeah. stuff. It's yeah. like it's yeah. meditative. Yeah. The science so behind like therapy and, and yeah. like the sound behind all of that. So it's kind of like the art itself is already a form of therapy, but then I kind of add to it when I, when I enhance it with stuff yeah. like that. But then sometimes I just listen to Jay-Z too, you know, or, <laughs> Jay Electronica, you know, I, I love hip hop, so I listen to a lot of music, you know. I've been on a Jay Electronica tip for a long time. You, you know Jay Electronica? Not too nah. familiar with him. But you definitely seem to be like a very like curious person and definitely delve in extremely deeply into like some topics. Yeah. What's like, and that like obviously like expresses, you express that like through your art more or less, I assume? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I'm a curious person. I'm a, I'm a student of life. You know, I'm not, I'm not lazy, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't, I don't just chill, you know. Uh, always doing something? Yeah, always doing something, always researching something, always trying to find out something or learn something or apply something to me, always trying to better myself, you know, I'm just into like self-improvement, self-mastery, you know, uh, it doesn't come easily. I mean, I'm 38. I say that because that's just my age. I don't mean like that as like I'm old or I'm young but that's my age I'm, I'm 38 I was once 37 I was once 30 you know I was once 25 but here I am at 38 and and that's very much what I am you know a, a dude that knows like okay here you are Renda 38 this is what you do you're curious you don't like to rest you don't like to chill you like to work you got goals you're trying to hit you're ambitious you're trying to make money you're trying to be happy you're trying to feed your soul so do it, do it all, you know? And that's that's what I'm doing, basically. Damn, and all this like, st st what were you more or less like when you are like coming out of college as a up and coming, were you like an artist? Did you, were you uh, focusing on art? No, time? not really, I mean, um, you know, and that's a good question, because I mentioned like my age and like the evolution of me and how I got here, but um, I've always been me, you know? It's not like I changed the 360 degrees, but I've evolved a bit, but you know, when I was 22, I wasn't an artist at all. Um, I went to college. I went to the University of Florida and majored in finance. So, <laughs> you know, I tell people that, and it's, sometimes they do a double take. You know, like you majored in finance and now you're an artist, and it's like, yeah, dude, that's that's how life goes, man. <laughs> Especially now in this day and age, your degree doesn't necessarily right. mean anything. You know. Um, and how did you like find yourself to art? Well, um, let me see Just how like I the can... making sense of everything like that. Yeah, like I said before, I mean, I started making art when everything stopped making sense. And so that's 
that's my explanation for why I got down with visual art, you know, making physical, tangible art. So that's like around 2009, 2010. But, you know, that's when I'm 32, 33. Uh, but taking it back to age 22 or whatever, um, I wasn't yet doing anything visual, but I was doing a lot of poetry. So getting into poetry is, was really my first taste of anything artsy, you know, anything non-business. But like when I was in college, when I was in high school, I was just a hip hop head, really. I was just really, really into hip hop. Good hip hop. Good golden era New York hip hop, you know? And I was also just a nerd, to be honest. Like I was really serious about school. I got really good grades and I studied a lot and I, um, I was just a nerd, you know what I'm saying? Like I was about that school life. Um, I almost had a 4.0 in college, like, you know what I'm saying? People don't do that in college, but, but I did. I, I graduated with like a 3.6. Um, so that was my thing. I was just like really into hip hop and really into school and really into doing well at things, you know? And, uh, but I guess it was like, I started to open up a little and started to sort of become myself towards the end of college when I started to kind of listen to like those cliches of like follow your heart and do what you love you know and so at that time I was like I love hip-hop <laughs> you know what I mean? so so then my goal was to work in the in the record industry so after I graduated college I moved to New York and I took an internship with Columbia Records and so there I was graduating college with a high GPA and all my friends my contemporaries were graduating too and taking jobs, making 60, 70 grand a year to start. And I was taking an unpaid internship. So, you know, there was definitely something backwards about that, at least to other people, mm -hmm. you know? To me, it made sense and it still makes sense. You know, it made me who I am. But there is a funny little irony in that. Like you just graduated college and you're moving to New York to take a job, to take a job that does not pay anything. But I understood dude, I want to work in the record industry. And in the record industry, your college degree doesn't mean anything. Um, it's all about who you know, and it's all about doing an internship to start. And actually at that time, it's kind of funny too, but at that time I was very inspired by Puff Daddy. Um, it wasn't so much that I liked his music. I mean, I liked his music, and I, was, I liked Notorious Big, and I had the Puff Daddy and the Family CD and all that stuff, and Mace and all that. But I also kind of disliked Puffy, like a lot of people did at the time, because he was so showy and flashy and ego. But... I considered both. I'm like, okay, I like his music. I think he's kind of ego and flashy, but I, I dig his story, you know, as a person, his autobiography. He was an intern at Uptown Records, <clears throat> which had like Mary J. Blige and Heavy D. And as an intern, he learned the business. And then at like 21, he started his own label called Bad Boy Records, you know, and I read, I read all these books about him and like he, I read that he had like he had drawn out the bad boy logo or had someone draw it out for him and he had the logo just like printed on a piece of paper and like a briefcase and he would always have it with him and like show it to people like this is gonna be my record label you know and like think about it like that's how he visualized it and how he made fucking millions right. you know so whether you love him or hate him he was a very successful businessman and he was a hip-hop head so that's kind of how i saw myself i'm like i'm a hip-hop head and i'm smart so i want to work in the business you know so I worked at Columbia Records as an intern, and then my goal was to try and segue that into a paid job. But around that time, this is like 2000, that was when the whole record industry was like collapsing. So it was like the worst time to be looking for a job in the record industry. But I ended up getting a temp job at another record label at Arista Records, 
And then I got another temp job at J Records, uh, which had Busta Rhymes and Alicia Keys and uh, Luther Vandross and a lot of big people on the label. Uh, but I didn't like it, to be honest. I don't know, you know what I mean? It's like I pres- all this, here I am saying, I did this and I love this and I love this. And then I got there and I realized I didn't like it. But that's the truth, man. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I was like, this is kind of stupid. I'm just sitting at a desk like any other desk job. It don't matter that I'm talking about Alicia Keys and Busta Rhymes. It's a dumb job. You know, I didn't like my boss. I didn't like the, it didn't pay well. I had to be in it like 7 a.m., you know? But, uh, so anyways, to now really get to the answer of the question is that's when I got more into poetry, you know? That's when I was like, okay, so my love for hip hop, <clears throat> and my, my love for hip hop is still there, but my love for the business of hip hop is dying. But, so as my love for the business died, my love for the actual art grew, and so I got into just writing more myself. And so I kind of, considered myself a hip-hop artist like at that time i really called myself a rapper you know i would tell people yeah i'm a rapper what's up my name is renda you know um and i recorded some cds and i used to sell them on the street in new york but as i realized that i wasn't that good of a rapper i realized that poetry was more my thing because you know i'm white i don't have much rhythm you know i i to be honest and to this day i don't i don't have much rhythm i I, you know i I, i'm not i can't follow a beat you know people are clapping i can't even you know what I'm saying? I, I'm not so, I gotta really concentrate to like get the clap right, you know? But so while I was living in New York, I discovered spoken word poetry and I discovered open mic nights and I discovered that there was a lot of poets that had a very hip hop style in their poetry, mm-hmm. but they were still just poets. They were spitting a cappella and they had a certain cadence that was like hip hop, but they were free to just have their own beat. So I got into that, you know what I mean? And then that was really the start of everything, you know? So doing poetry led to doing art and led to doing everything and everything. That's what I'm saying. So fast forward now, I'm 38 and I'm a product of that 22-year-old that had certain dreams that changed out of necessity and morphed and I allowed myself to evolve and I allowed myself to go forward and make mistakes and etc. you know? But so I always, you know, it's like when I look at my life, I always look at it like this. It's like... It was hip hop, then it was poetry, and then the poetry led me to performing on stage, and then performing on stage led me to being comfortable with hosting on stage, and hosting on stage led me to hosting and producing events, and hosting and producing events led me to meeting more artists and like-minded people, both visual and audio people, and that enhanced and catered to my networking skills and then, you know, and so everything like led to the next, you know, and meeting more visual artists. And so now here I am, a product of all that. And I am an artist. Damn, that's a good uh, spot to go into the break. But yeah, cool. let's go to, let's go to a, a quick word from our, our partners. Yeah. Looking for a fun, vibrant, and collaborative environment to work? Check out the Palm Beach Tech Space in downtown West Palm Beach on Deter Street between Dixie and Olive. As a nonprofit, they have your best interest in mind with a large-scale vision of transforming the Palm Beaches into a tech and innovation hub. By offering a variety of memberships to suit different needs, there is something for everyone, from travelers, remote workers, to entrepreneurs and freelancers. Go on down to check them out to get inspired working alongside some excited new companies that are changing the ways business is done in the Palm Beaches. 
It's a great way to network, make new friends, and even find some budding talent that may be a vital source to help you grow your own business. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, I'm real into that stuff, man. Sometimes I'll listen to both. Sometimes I'll put on like a hip hop song on YouTube and then I'll open another tab and I'll play some binaural beats, but just a little bit lower, you know? So I'll adjust the volume and so I'll be listening to Jay Electronica and some binaural beats beneath it all. Dang, dude. Yeah. Sounds like a trip. Yeah. All right, here we are back on the front break with Render Writer. So uh, who are some of your uh, uh, like inspirations? As an artist, as a even like as an as a rap, as an, in rap. Well, I guess my biggest influence is KRS One. You know KRS One, mm-hmm. um, and I mention him because he's one of the biggest influences. But also mentioning him is the perfect segue, really, for talking about the World Peace Mural Tour. Because you know I mentioned before the break how I'm just a hip hop kid that grew up, but in growing up, KRS One was definitely one of my favorites. <laughs> And um, he had a song called World Peace. And like a year and a half ago, that song just like appeared in my head. Because my head is basically like a hip hop jukebox all day, you know what I mean? And I don't pick the songs, they pick, you know, they pick me. But one day the song World Peace, and that's it right there, uh, just popped in my head. And um, that's basically where the idea for the World Peace Mural Tour came from. and other things too, because you know, a lot of times people say, where'd you get an idea for this? Or where'd you, how'd you come up with that idea? Truth is, man, ideas come from like nine, 10 different places. Mm-hmm. You know, like one idea is really the sum of like nine or 10 different ideas that had a synchronistic timing and they all linked up, you know? So the day that that song came in my head is a part of the reason why I'm doing the World Peace Mural Tour, but it's really just like one of 10 little reasons that merged at this right moment to make everything happen. But, uh, so yeah, Karis One is a big influence because of that song World Peace, but because of all of his songs. Like he's just an educated man. Like he he's the only rapper and one of the only people that I've ever known to talk about metaphysics and quantum physics and Buddhism and comparative religion and things like that in his music as well as in interviews and stuff. But I mean he's got songs that discuss this kind of stuff. Like he's got a song called Beef where he talks all about the benefits of being vegetarian and talking about what happens to the animals that you're eating, you know? He talks all about the steroids that are being pumped into them, but in an entertaining song format, you know? And I remember hearing that song when I was like 16, and I was like, okay, this is cool, you know? Like, where else is a 16-year-old in the 90s gonna discover the benefits of vegetarianism, you know? Especially if their family is not. Like, my family was serving up burgers and steaks and stuff, you know? But a song like that showed me what that is, mm-hmm. you know, basically. Um, but yeah, in, in the in like the liner notes of every one of his cassettes that I used to buy back in the day, he would write like his thank yous and stuff, and then he would sign it off, and he would write peace, Karis one metaphysician. And I had to look up what is a metaphysician, you know, what is metaphysics, and that's how I learned. And then and then later in life, much later in life. I discovered Wayne Dyer and Wayne Dyer and then Deepak Chopra and then uh, Eckhart Tolle and um, 
Abraham Hicks and all these people now, which I would quote as influences, you know. So I say Karis One first because he's a hip hop artist and an influence. So it kind of piggybacks on my discussion of hip hop as an influence and because of his direct influence on the World Peace Mural Tour. But to discuss some other influences, Wayne Dyer for sure, Deepak Chopra. Have you heard of Abraham Hicks? Can't say I have. No? Have you heard of Abraham Hicks? I've heard of Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks, like a medium. Yeah. Well, Abraham Hicks, and I'll school you and the listeners here, everyone needs to set aside 10 minutes to go research Abraham Hicks. Abraham Hicks is not a person. It's not a man, as you would assume when you hear the name Abraham Hicks. There is a woman, an actual woman, named Esther Hicks. And Esther Hicks is a channeler. She's a medium. So she channels spirits and energies from other dimensions and other planes Hmm. and she channels a collective of energy that she has named abraham Hmm. just as a way to simplify it and put a name on it so now us the world we call it abraham hicks when esther hicks channels this energy so she goes into these channeling sessions where she kind of closes her eyes slows her breathing down and then Boom. She's channeling this this Abraham character, so to speak. But it's not fake or nothing. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some people debate that. But I certainly believe it, and millions of people do. Uh, And if you watch it, anything of hers, you'll probably be convinced. But So what she's doing is she's channeling profound, thought-provoking energy from other planes, other dimensions, and discussing the deepest shit in life, you know? Um, so I, once I discovered Abraham Hicks, everything changed. Like, uh, it's, it's, what she discusses is universal truth, stuff beyond politics, religion, racism, all this man-made stuff, right and wrong even. You know, think about it, right and wrong is man-made, bro. Like, in the universe, there ain't no right or wrong. Everything just is. Everything is. Like, morally and stuff like that? Yeah, even morals. It's all just a judgment made by man, you know? Um... Not that I'm advocating that you should just do whatever the fuck you want, you know, but the, the truth is even murder is not necessarily wrong in the universal perspective, you know? The, the universe, the, in the universe, there is no death. So what does murder do? It, it's just transporting someone to the next level, you know? I mean, don't get my words twisted. <laughs> it's not helping or whatever. You know what I mean? As I'm saying, don't get my words twisted, but I'm just trying to illustrate a point by going to the extreme, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm just saying, on a universal level, there is no such thing as right or wrong. There, there just is. Mm-hmm. And everything is energy. Everything is frequency. These are some of the principles also that Tesla speaks of and Abraham Hicks. And then there's another guy that I listened to named Bashar. Same thing. It's an actual human being named Daryl Enka. And Daryl channels this being named Bashar. So Bashar and Abraham Hicks are essentially the same. They're both channelers but they both have a different voice. So I recommend people to research both and find which one you like more, which one suits you more, you know? I happen to like them both. But when you listen to Bashar, it just blows your mind. Bashar especially, because he speaks very quick. And because he's a man, he's got, a, you know, he's got the man tone, you know, whereas Esther Hicks has a softer mm-hmm. female delivery. Uh, but the thing is, both of them, and, and Esther Hicks especially, they... They do like seminars and conferences all around the world where they 
go into their zone, their channel, and then they field questions from an audience. So when you go on YouTube, that's what you're watching is you're watching their little conferences and you're watching people ask them questions. So I really want to go to one of these in person. You know, I've watched about a billion of them on YouTube, but, and it's expensive. <laughs> They're like hundreds of dollars to go see these people speak. But imagine that if you're in a conference and you have a chance to speak with an energy that, you know what I mean, of another universe, the, the divine intelligence, and you can ask them anything you want. You know, it's, it's almost like that hypothetical situation. If you were to meet God, what would you ask him? Well, that's kind of what meeting Esther Hicks is, you know? You so, definitely consider yourself like a very spiritualistic person. And me? Yeah, yeah, totally. Definitely. I mean, I believe spirituality unites and religion divides, very simply put. You know, that one sentence sums it up for me. You know, so if I want to be united with others, I'll tap into my spirituality and the spiritual side of things. If I want to f tap into some division, then I'll identify as a certain religion. You know, if I say I'm Christian and you say you're Muslim or something, well, boom, now we're different. Even if we get along, we're still different. You know what I mean? We've put a line there, you know, like you could be a Muslim that totally is cool and I'm a Christian that's cool, but we got different words, you know, there's a division. Mm -hmm. But if I just say I'm spiritual and I believe in all things spiritual and you are too, well now, boom, we're on the same plane totally, you know? But so I, yeah, I would say I am pretty spiritual, but really I'm just curious, going back to what we were saying, I'm just a curious dude and then my curiosity has led me to people like Abraham Hicks and has led me to spiritual things. And so I dig it. It's one of my interests, just like hip hop, you know? Yeah, definitely, a, a, definitely a creative, just like the way that it's just seeing that the way that you take in the world more or less is it just leads away to how you express yourself more or less and get into like the world peace mural tour how many of uh, 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 murals have you uh, done so far well I've done 30 30 um, yeah ever since you said the first one was uh, when the first one was April 23rd 2016 16 so the one year anniversary was just a few days ago but um, that first mural was in Alapata Miami, Florida. When did you say your first mural was? Uh, you said it was like... Oh, oh my first mural mural yeah. was 2014. 2014? Yeah. Uh, that was the one where I wrote, Love is a Risk, Do It Anyway, mm -hmm. about 500,000 times on a 40 foot by 40 foot wall. <laughs> but uh, then my first World Peace mural was about one year ago. And so in the last year, I've done 30. And, you know, like I said, that's basically the reason I am here today. The reason I contacted you is because I've, I've, I'm at this point where I've been working on this project for a year. I've done 30 murals and I want to just do it for the rest of my life. When I first came up with the idea, when the Karis One song first came in my head and all that, my idea was to look at it like, like a project. I'm like, okay, what I'll do is I'll map out a little project of five cities. I'll do five murals in five cities and that's it. And it'll go from July to October. And I was like, okay, New York, Philadelphia, Detroit, Boston, and DC. But the thing is that my first in that schedule was Boston on July 4th, strategically planned, you know, 4th of July, Boston, patriotic spot, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But in April, an opportunity came my way to do a mural in Miami, and they allowed me to do whatever topic I wanted. So I was like sitting there looking at the blank wall like, okay, I can write anything I want, and I'm going to do this world peace thing in July but I could just do world peace right now, you know? So I did world peace on this wall in April in Miami. And then an opportunity came my way in Fort Lauderdale. 
so I did World Peace again, and then I went to Asheville. I was just there on kind of a road trip and stumbled across this wall and did World Peace there. So like technically, I hadn't even started the tour yet, but I already did three murals before the tour started. Right. And so then by the time I got ready to do Boston, I realized there's no point in giving this an end date. I'm just going to do this for the rest of my life. And so then I tweaked the mission statement, and now the mission statement is... I will do the World Peace Mural Tour for the rest of my life. To spread that world peace, to spread that message. Yeah, forever, because it'll never grow old. It'll never go out of style. It'll never not be needed. And it will always be of interest to me. Uh, you know, I'll always be excited about doing it. So now, fast forward, I, I did those five and, and above and beyond. I've done 30 now, 29 in America, one in Mexico. And so, like I said, the reason I'm here is because I created this GoFundMe account to pay for my next five murals, which are gonna take place this summer. So this summer I'm orchestrating like a road trip going from Miami to Los Angeles and stopping in Asheville, North Carolina, um, Tallahassee, Florida, uh, Dallas, Texas, Gallup, New Mexico, and Los Angeles, California. So that's basically what is expressed in the GoFundMe campaign that I'm trying to raise $7,500 to pay for the creation of these five or more murals to add to the current portfolio. Mm -hmm. But the, the tour itself will never end. I'm just gonna do it for the rest of my life. And I even put it in the, in the GoFundMe description kind of to be funny, but also it's totally true. But I say I will do the World Peace Mural Tour for the rest of my life, but I also say in there that it's not gonna stop when I die either because when I'm 65, I'm gonna create a World Peace Mural Tour apprentice program and I'm gonna enlist young mural artists to pass the torch on too. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it so it's cool. It's like, you know, I can't help but laugh because it's like funny, but it's also like mad inspiring, you know? Like I'm only 38 and I'm making plans for almost 40 years from now, you know? Like that's that's a real planner, you know what definitely I'm saying? Definitely being prepared for all. I mean, yeah. we'll definitely uh, link out the the GoFundMe campaign. What's GoFundMe.com slash World Peace Mural Tour? Yeah. We'll link out to it on the blog, but yeah, that's really inspiring. Yeah, so that's that's basically just that's what I'm all about now. You know, the World Peace Mural Tour in general, and the summer plans more specifically, and pushing the GoFundMe. You know, everyone I talk to, everywhere I go, everything I do online, I'm talking about GoFundMe slash World Peace Mural Tour. You know, and I'd be telling people you could donate five dollars. I go live on Instagram like five times a day because I drive everywhere. And when I'm driving, it's just a great time to go live. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're definitely pushing your stuff out there and yeah. letting, letting people know. Yeah. So when I go live, I just, I just chat with people and I say, yo, donate five bucks. And then I try and put it in perspective too. I'm like, seriously, five dollars is all I really am asking for. If you want to donate 20 or 100 or 200, that's great. But to put it in perspective, $5 would buy you about a gallon and a half or two gallons of gas, depending on the price of gas. But, you know, let's just say a gallon and a half. I need a gallon and a half of gas. You know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. I need a few hundred gallons of gas to get to L.A. So every $5 gets me about a gallon and a half, you and know? Supporting you with the yeah. cause and everything. Exactly. And like a can of spray paint is typically 8 to $10. So, you know, you donate 10 bucks, you've just bought me a can of spray paint, you know? So... And that's kind of what I, how I broke it down in the GoFundMe campaign explanation in the video as well as the written text. It's just like, I need the money for food, for spray paint, and for gas. And incidentals and miscellaneous and vehicle maintenance and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but 
basically that's what I'm all about. And and I'm doing it whether I raise the money or not. That's the thing, you know, like with GoFundMe, GoFundMe is a little different than Kickstarter. With Kickstarter, you set a goal and you, you set it. Reach it. Yeah, and if you don't reach the goal by the timeline, you don't get any money. But with Indiegogo and GoFundMe, you don't even really need an end date. And you do have a goal, but that's just to keep you on track with a goal. But you get all the money that you receive, mm-hmm. even if it's short of the goal. So I'm going to drive to L.A. no matter what and just use my money, which is nothing. But that's why I started the GoFundMe. So it's like the GoFundMe is just my chance to get some money on top of what I have. Right. You know, I'm all, I always got about a grand in the bank. That's basically where I'm at. You know, I'm always hovering somewhere between a grand and two grand. And sometimes I dip down to like one or two hundred dollars. And that's when time is rough. But, uh, you know what I'm saying? So that's where I'm at. Right now, I got a, about 1500 bucks. Yeah, the life of a, of a struggling artist, definitely yeah. trying to you know, definitely make it out there and exactly. feed yourself. It's not an easy thing to kind of do. So, yeah. But, you know, it, it gets easy when you get in the zone and when you get some help from people, you know. Like, I mean, I, I've almost, I'm now at a point where I kind of avoid labeling anything as hard, you know. Metaphysics and all this deeper stuff that we were talking has taught me that things are what you say they are you know everything is what you say it is so as soon as you label something as hard or as a struggle then it is you know what i'm saying everything is brain programming like perspective yeah it's perspective it's perception it's just how you see it you know you are the words you speak you know you could speak anything into existence you can label yourself as whatever you label yourself and then you will become it uh, it's funny, like, I, I caught that lesson from Howard Stern, of all people. Like, I don't know if you remember, but he put out this movie called Private Parts, like, years ago. And I think it was in the movie, or maybe it was in one of the interviews he was doing leading up to the movie. He was saying, you know, he's known as the king of all media, right? And there's a lot of people in pop culture that have certain titles that maybe they gave themselves or the media gave it to them. But, you know, Michael Jackson is the king of pop. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Howard Stern is the king of all media. Elvis is the king of rock and roll. You know what I'm saying? But Howard Stern was saying, I gave myself that title. Like, I mean, I worked hard enough to basically deserve it. But then once I started calling myself that, people saw that my credentials did kind of match up to that label, and they cemented it. And now I am the king of all media. You know? I mean, now in 2017, I don't know how relevant Howard Stern really is. Yeah, I've heard of him as the king of radio, more or less, but... Yeah, but there was a time where he was saying right. that, and it was, like, true, and it was, he was real. He was more or less you know? like the one who kind of got, like, podcasting and, and like, the radio thing kind of yeah. seemed really up and I mean, yeah, as a radio DJ, and then... Uh, he, was on, in that. he was on E, remember mm-hmm. the E network and stuff? But I just remember him talking about that, about how he, like, called himself the king of all media, and then became it, and it's just, like... There's a lot to be said for that, for the whole yeah, art of a, lot of... a lot of it is like how he stood up for like radio hosts to kind of be able to, to speak their mind and do a lot of things like that. Yeah, of, freedom of speech right. and stuff. I mean, you know, a lot of inspiration can come from very unlikely places. I mean, look at like Two Live Crew and Luther Campbell and what they represent in terms of freedom of speech, you know? Like, yeah, they might be up on stage saying, pop that pussy and stuff, but that's their right. You know, they have the right to get on stage and say, pop that pussy, like, and you have the right to not like it, mm-hmm. and you have the right to not listen, or you have the right to listen and say, that's great, I, pop that pussy, yeah, you know, but that's what I'm saying, inspiration could come from anywhere, all kinds of, you know, people you know personally, or celebrities, or whatever, and that's one thing I've learned, is how to draw it from everything, like, literally everything, just pull a little something, what can I learn from this, 
how can I get some inspiration from this? And so my point in saying all that is it's, it's about the idea of creating yourself. You are the work of art, you know? I mean, it's obvious on a physical level, people get a mohawk or a nose ring, whatever, they're obviously they're, doing, they're going all out with embellishing themselves. But it's true on the inside too, you create yourself. Like I said, brain editor, man, you know, work on your brain. What you doing with your brain? What are you feeding it? You know, you got to diet just like you eat. You got to diet of the things you put in. You put a lot more in you than just food, you know? So it's the things you listen to, the music, the conversations you have, you know? The things you say and don't say. So I just feel like I've gotten really conscious of all that over the years. But that's why I'm all about the World Peace Mural Tour. It's like, okay, you are the words you use, right? So I'm down with these two words, world, peace, you know, in that order. Those are the words I like. And those are the words I want to write over and over and create murals. And I enjoy seeing people take pictures in front of them and put them on Instagram because now they're repping that world peace. You know, right. they're part of that same energy that I'm bringing out. And it's just like, you know, you choose your words. Every word has a frequency and an energy. You, you ever heard of that Dr. Emoto experiment? Can't say I have. Nah. Oh, you ever heard of What the Bleep Do We Know? Yeah, I've heard of that. What the Bleep Do We Know is a movie that discusses like quantum physics and stuff. And it's a collection of interviews and just uh, real thought-provoking, insightful stuff. But in that movie, they discussed this doctor named Dr. Emoto who did an experiment. And he had two glasses of water. One glass of water, he put a piece of tape on it and he wrote the word love. Then the other glass of water, he put a piece of tape on it and he wrote the word hate. He let it sit for a while and marinate, and then he took an eyedropper and took a drop of water out of each one and put it under a microscope and analyzed it. And what he noticed was the love water, when he looked at it on a molecular level, it had like beautiful patterns, like a beautiful symmetrical pattern, like snowflakes, you know what I mean? Um, then when he took the heat and looked at it, there was no symmetry, there was no beauty, it was just like everything was in disarray. So the point of that is, the words you use, spoken, written, thought, all the words you use carry an energy and that energy can influence things and it can be seen when you use water as the example. The same experiment has been done with rice. Uh, they take like cooked rice, put it in a jar, put a word on it, you know, because that cooked rice has water in it. So obviously that's why it works too. But if you do the experiment with water, that's the most basic way to do it. And the word love or hate can be done, or other words, they've done stuff like, I wanna kill you, like phrases, I love you, I wanna kill you, things like that, you know, both positive and negative phrases, um, and watch what it does. So that's what I'm saying, that kind of stuff really made me realize the power of the, and the energy of words, the words you use and how that's used to create yourself and your environment. But then I took it to the next level because human beings, are 70% water. So we are just glasses of water. We're walking around like a glass of water, just like the experiment. So what if you put a word on your body, like a tattoo? You know what I'm saying? So that's why I got this. So that, I got this in like 2006. Oh yeah, I should say it. Yeah. So that's why I got a tattoo that says poet on my arm. But um, yeah, in like 2006, I got this because that was when I was getting really serious about my poetry and, and I had watched the movie, What the Bleep Do We Know? And, that, and I was like, I'm the glass of water. I'm gonna do this right now. You know, and I went to this tattoo shop and I got the tat and it says poet. So I was just like, I wanna be a poet down to the molecular level, you know? And I am, so. 
It was great, man. Great spot to, to leave off with the, the World Peace Mural Tour. So tell people where's the, the latest um, uh, artworks where people can find your, your mural tours, where people can find your art at in galleries right now? Uh, well, in Miami, I have my stuff on display in three places. Uh, a place called Guarapo Organic Juice Bar in Wynwood uh, on 36th Street. A place called Smart Bites, which is like a healthy eatery, mom and pop shop, uh, 791 Northwest 20th Street, just west of Wynwood. I have two murals there, and I have a bunch of art hanging up on canvas. Then I got Guarapo, and then the third place is Spirit and Beyond in Little Haiti on Northwest 2nd Ave. Uh, it's like a spot that sells like incense and crystals and tea, and I got a bunch of art hanging up there. Um, but really the best way to find out anything about what I'm doing or where my art is or where my murals are is to just go to renderwriter.com or um, Google me. I mean, I'm very easy to find on purpose. You know, I put myself out there pretty heavily. So mm -hmm. um, definitely uh, out there hustling on, on social, Facebook, oh yeah. Instagram. All day, all night. <laughs> but worldpeacemuraltour.com is the main thing I want to emphasize. Worldpeacemuraltour.com and GoFundMe slash worldpeacemuraltour. And then I got the Instagram for worldpeacemuraltour, my own Instagram. Yeah, but, at you know. Render Writers, at, at worldpeacemuraltour, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Are you on there as well? I'm on Twitter. I have a Twitter account. I'm not, not really nice. into it very much, but it connects to all my other platforms and stuff but yeah i'm easy to find and i'm easy to reach and I'm, I'm pretty responsive too or at least i try to be but basically i'm just all about the world peace mural tour right now and where, making and selling art where have been the last two uh, world peace mural tours and what's the next one uh well the last mural i did was in gainesville gainesville um, what was the one before that uh chattanooga tennessee chattanooga. what's yeah. the next one coming up the next one coming up will be in Hollywood, Florida on May 12th at a Montessori school. Hollywood, Florida, May 12th? Yeah. Do you have anyone after that one? Um, not exactly. Well, the next one will probably be the start of the official summer leg with the GoFundMe. That'll be in Tallahassee. So it's Tallahassee and then Asheville and Dallas and all, you know, all that. But uh, yeah, so I'll be doing one in Dallas. So that'll probably be the one after the Hollywood one. Uh, but other ones could pop up between then and then, you know, too. Um, but yeah, that's, that's about it, I guess. Definitely make sure to stay tuned at renderwriter.com, is it? Yeah, renderwriter.com Render and at renderwriter. At renderwriter. Yeah. And always, you know, as usual, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Vivid Arts app. And, and go to our website, vividartsapp.com. And see you guys in the next one. Peace. See you. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Appreciate Thank you, man. For sure. Appreciate you coming out.